Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to Bridge Church Fredericksburg online this morning. My name is Jimmy Pruitt, and I'm the lead pastor here, and today I happen to be the lead guitar player too, so I'm getting to do double duty, which is always a massive joy for me. I hope that today, that wherever you are watching from, with your family or by yourself, whether you're on a phone or watching on, casting it onto your TV or your computer, I just want to invite you to join us in worship. We have already prayed this morning for you, for the atmosphere in your home, in your car, in your work, wherever you happen to be, we have prayed for you this morning. So we're asking the Lord to literally bless and release the atmosphere as you worship with us, as you participate with us. And I want you to know something. You're no less not a part of this by being where you are. So thank you for joining us. And here I'm going to ask a favor as we get started. Would you let us know you're watching? Would you send a thumbs up, a heart, a like, whatever, and wave at us and let us know where you're from? And we want to, I love going back through there and seeing that because it make, gives me prayer points for every person that clicks in. So just know you'll be prayed for, you'll be covered, you'll be loved because you are loved. So thank you for joining us. This morning we're going to worship and we're just going to go after God together. The beautiful thing is, is he's not a God who hides from us. He's a God who wants to be caught. And so we don't have to chase very hard because he's right there like a good father, like a good daddy. So as we get started this morning, again, welcome to Bridge Church Online. Join us in worship. Stand up, worship with your family, and let's worship together. Let me pray. Father, Abba Father, you are a good father, and I want to say thank you for loving us well. Thank you for your presence and your goodness. And Lord, it is our pleasure and our joy to worship you this morning and to celebrate Jesus that, Lord, we are going to lift up a hallelujah this morning. We're going to raise a hallelujah in the midst, in the midst of what's going on in our world right now. We will not be moved by what we see or by what we feel or by what we fear or by what we dread. We will only be moved by truth and by the word of God itself. Your word, Lord. We stand, and having done all to stand, we stand. We put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And Lord, we fight the good fight of the faith. We honor you and bless you and we worship you. Every song today, Father, is a song of declaration. It's a song. We're charging the castle this morning, Lord, and we love you and we honor you. Thank you for meeting us here. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As Pastor Jimmy said, let's just raise the roof, your roof, some praise. Start with Let praise arise. 
not afraid. Sing with us. We're not afraid. I'm not afraid.
been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will see of the goodness of God
God, we sing of your goodness. Thank you that your goodness is always running after us. Your word says you never leave us, you never forsake us. You never stop pursuing us. So God, we give you everything. We lay everything at your feet. Because we know that you are the way maker. You are the promise keeper. You are the miracle worker. God, what we see is chaos and we don't understand it. But we know and we have faith that you are in control. You have not lost control. And we know that you are making a way. You are doing working miracles. So we stand back and we watch. And we just put our faith in you, God, because we know in the end you win. We win. You still reign. You still rule. You always have and you always will. We thank you for that promise, Lord. Worship you, declare it now. 
Father, it is our heart right now to make continual declarations of your goodness, the fact that you make a way where there was no way, that you open doors where doors were closed. Father, you show us new doors when a door closed. You show us an open window where there's a closed one. We trust you every step of the way. And that is our declaration right now. You are our way maker. And we are thankful, Lord. You're the one, Lord. You're the God of the breakthrough. You're the one who literally breaches any wall that the enemy tries to hedge us in with. Father, we are cognizant in this season right now. There's a very real enemy that is actually striking at the heart and core of who we are. And so, Father, we stand. And having done all, we stand. We stand on your word. We stand on your promises. We stand on our relationship with you, trusting your goodness and your grace and your mercy. We honor you with our worship, and we honor you with everything we do here today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, again, I want to welcome you. My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at Bridge Church, Fredericksburg. And I want to say thank you for being with us and being with us online this week. I want to encourage you that wherever you are right now, if you have access to, I want to encourage you to find some elements. It doesn't have to be unleavened bread and, and wine. It can be anything. And I want to invite you to do that right now. And as we partake of communion together, it's been a kind of a strange season, not kind of, it has been a very strange season for us. As even in our gatherings, when we're here locally, uh, we've not been able to really participate in communion at this point. But uh, we're going to press through that and move through that together and I want to invite you right where you are to celebrate communion with us. Understanding what communion is, that it is common union. It is where we find common ground with Jesus. It's the place where we come and we say, thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your goodness. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, not only for your death, but for your life, both before and after the resurrection. We are thankful for that. And so what we do when we celebrate communion is we remember Jesus. I want to encourage you with the scriptures this morning in partaking of communion. Jesus was with his disciples. He says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. 
he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. What Jesus gave us here in that, and right at the end of that passage, is that he gave us hope that someday we will sit with him and partake with him in the kingdom. What an awesome thing, especially in light of what's going on in our world today. And so I want to invite you as you come to the table, so to speak, this morning, whether it's figuratively, literally, or actually, I want you to do something. I want you to pause. And, and, and with us, press pause on the drama of this crazy world that we're in right now. Just press pause on it. Just stop and say, Lord, for right now, in this moment, it is only you. You are the only one who occupies my, my emotional space, my brain space, my spirit and right now, I push away. Join me in this prayer. I push away everything that's not of you. I push away the confusion, the chaos, the uncertainty, the fear. I push it all away in my eyes right now, Lord, only on you. Only on you. As we come to the table this morning together, we do it in the context of worship. And we bless you in it. So, Lord, bless these elements for those that are participating wherever they are. Bless them, encourage them, even in this moment. You can partake right now of communion, even as you're there right now. Another thing we want to do is always celebrate in the context of worship, giving, because our giving and our generosity is an act of worship. It is worship. Worship is such a broad spectrum of things, and so in our giving, I want to encourage you. And First, I want to say thank you for continuing to give faithfully and be faithful and recognize and remember always you're not just giving to the church. You're giving through the church. And you can see on your screen the, the opportunities. You can see on the screen how to give and the opportunities of what, how to give and how to uh, give your offering with us not being live this week in-house. Then we invite you to mail that in or drop it by this week. Or you can give online, as many of you do, and thank you for doing that. And also want to recognize the ministries that we support. And in this season, in this world right now, they need our support and our encouragement more, there, more than ever. So you can look on the screen and see the names of those that we are blessing, those that we are sowing into, these that we are seeking to be generous towards so that they can continue to take the gospel literally all over the world, even locally, but also across the world. And so... As you see their names, pray for them, breathe a prayer for them. Even, even speak over your offering today, Lord, I bless this and I sow this in the name of Jesus on their behalf. Bless them, encourage them wherever they are. So as you give this morning, let's pray together and we're going to also worship together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you and we thank you for the privilege of generosity, the privilege of giving, the privilege of sowing into the things of the kingdom. Father, we do it with great faith. We do it with great passion. We do it with great heart, Lord, with an open heart, a generous heart. And so in our giving, we worship you. We honor you. And Father, in the midst of what's going on in our world, we raise our hallelujah to you. And we shout hallelujah anyway. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you.
ago, I was a brand new follower of Jesus, and I was actually working for my dad. He was a firefighter, but his other job, because most firefighters have two professions, his other job is he had a cyclone fence company, so I worked for him, and I helped install fence, and I, helped, I did the welding and all that stuff for him, and uh, we, I remember him hiring this guy, this young guy, and he said, hey, I've got this new guy, his name's Terry, he's going to come work with us, he's going to help you, you're going to show him the ropes, you guys are going to work together, and when I'm on shift, you guys are, you guys are it. So, so I met Terry, he seemed really nice, and you have to understand, I was a brand new follower of Jesus, and I was so excited, I was so on fire. In fact, I had a Bible that had been given to me as a gift from a friend, and I kept it in the shop where we worked, and anytime I got a break or a lunch, I would go over there and I would read scripture. I was just, I could not get enough. You know, when you're a new follower of Jesus, one of the marks that I look for in a new follower of Christ is that they have a hunger for the Word of God. They're hungry, they can't get enough. I mean, when it's real, when it's genuine, when you're born again, your heart's made new, there's something there that's, that's a spiritual hunger that is hard to satiate. It's hard to satisfy. And I was that way. I was like reading all the time. And I had this Bible there in the shop. And Terry, right after I met him and dad took off to go do what he did, and so it was just Terry and I together, he said, man, you're a follower of Jesus, aren't you? And I said, yeah. He goes, man, I can tell. First of all, you're fired up for Christ, and you glow with Christ. And the second thing he said was, and I love the fact that you've got the Bible sitting over here wide open on the, on the shop bench. And I said, yeah, that way I can get a, you know, kind of get a bite and a taste as I go. And we were laughing about it. Turns out he was just a 
just a sweet follower of Jesus. And so we started working together. And as we were working together, we would talk about the kingdom. We would talk about Jesus. We'd talk about faith in Christ and being a witness to the world. And it was an iron sharpens iron relationship. Well, at one point he said, hey, man, it's been great getting to know you. I love praying with you and working with you. He said, I want to show you something. Can you come over to my place? So I went over to this place and he pulls out this document that had been typed or copied uh, just on a, on a regular typewriter, and he hands it to me, and he says, would you read this? And I said, well, what is it? He said, well, I wrote this. He said, um, I've been studying the end times, eschatology, and he said, I, I think I've, I've got a beat on some things that are going to happen, and he said, I'd like for you to read it, because I think it'll, it'll bless you and encourage you, and uh, I, I looked at it, it was 56 typed pages, front and back, and I was like, this is wow, I mean, this is a lot, you know, over 100 pages front, you know, with adding front and back together, I was like, okay, I'll dive into this document. Now, you have to understand, being a brand new follower of Jesus, I was just learning the basics. I was learning some basic scriptures. I'd learned John 3, 16, Psalm 119, verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I was just beginning to learn scripture and and try to get figure this new life out this new world out and while my heart was alive and my my mind was alive my emotions were alive with Jesus um, I had not been deep in study per se I just was trying to to find my bearings so the first thing you know the first shot out of the cannon I get this 56 page double-sided front and back typed manuscript on the end times and why Jesus was getting ready to make his return. And, and I have to tell you, it, it did something not good to me. I read through most of it, and I literally couldn't even get through it. I said, first of all, I, man, you're pulling scriptures from Daniel and Revelation and Ezekiel, and you're all over the map, and, and it didn't make sense to me. And so it, it actually drove a wedge in my relationship with Terry because he was so excited and what I got to know about Terry is that his whole world revolved around eschatology, around the end times, and, and talking about the ten-headed beast, and talking about, you know, the beast, and the, and the woman, and all the stuff in Revelation that, as a new follower of Jesus, I could not wrap my mind around any of this. I was like, look, I'm just trying to survive it through a day without falling to temptation, much less figure out what's going to happen down the road, and and he just kept pressing me and pressing me and to the point where I had to almost get obnoxious and say, stop, stop, you're killing me with this stuff. And over time, I just got to where I didn't even want to, I, I just, it just so distracted me from, I was like, I'm just trying to live for today. I'm just trying to learn how to pray. I'm just, I'm trying to have a quiet, figure out what a quiet time looks like. And, and you're, you're dumping all this stuff on me. And unfortunately, what it did, it sort of inoculated me. You know, it was like getting a vaccination. It inoculated me to having a love for and a desire to understand the end times. And eschatology became one of those things that, and I admit it just wide open, is that I took it, I put it in a file, and I just sort of set it over here. And, and I would just make the joke, and some of you maybe heard me say this, that I don't know if I'm a, an all-millennialist, a premillennialist, a post-millennialist, 
or if I'm, I'm just a pan-millennialist. I, I just, it's all going to pan out, you know. We'll see when it happens. But I have to tell you something. Even though it's not been something that I have pressed into, it's not that I'm ignorant of it either. Because I don't just think that we're getting closer to the end of things and that things are winding down or up, depending on which way you look at it. I believe it. I know it. I know it in my knower. What our world is going through right now, speaking with Miss Charlene from our church, 91 years old, last Sunday I, I stood with her and I said, Miss Charlene, have you ever in your lifetime seen or experienced what our world is experiencing right now? And she said, oh, no. She said, I went through the Great Depression. I've been through wars. I've been through more wars. I've, I've seen a lot. I've never seen anything like this. Yesterday, I'm speaking with a man in my neighborhood. We have a wonderful neighborhood. We, we did our own little July 4th parade. It was amazing. It was beautiful and, and, and such, a, such an incredible inspiration for me. And stood out there and waved at everybody and said hi to everybody. I stood out there with my neighbors and and he's in his 80s, and he's been the, the CFO, CEO of a, of a major corporation. He's retired now. And I said, Ron, have you ever seen anything like this in your lifetime? He didn't even hesitate. No, never have I seen anything like this. And when the greatest generation ever lived has gone before us, and all of them are saying, I've never seen anything like I'm seeing now, that arrests me, and it gets my attention. This week, there have been several incidents that have happened in our world, and whether it's good or bad, I try to keep up with the news, and that's good. She's actually better at it than me, and she'll share things with me, and that causes me to dig a little bit deeper. And, and this week, I've come to a tipping point in my own heart and in my own mind space, my own spirit. That tipping point happened on the, on the heels of several events. For one, yesterday being July 4th, I was reminded of the freedoms that we are blessed with, and that so many have gone before and literally given their lives so we can enjoy the freedom to protest. The enjoyed, we can enjoy the freedom to be obnoxious and rude and ugly and mean because others have gone forward before us to provide that freedom. But we also have the freedom to love and the freedom to extend grace and the freedom to extend life. And yesterday was one of those reminders of how blessed we are and yet for the first time in my lifetime, I'm feeling some of those freedoms get eroded away on the back of this pandemic. As we're seeing now more, and I'll just say it straight up and out loud, government interference into how we live our lives. Choices are being removed. And, they're being, and it's like the frog in the kettle that when the kettle heats up, the frog doesn't even detect that the temperature's changing until it's too late. I read a book this last week by Andy Andrews called How to Kill 11 Million People. And in that book, he breaks down the sequences that led up to Nazi Germany and Hitler's domination of an entire nation, ultimately most of the world, and the years that he wreaked havoc on, on the world and annihilated and killed and murdered over 11 million Jews, not just Jews, but others as well. And as I listened to that book on Audible and, and, and soaked in 
the events leading up to that situation, I thought, oh my gosh. I'm sensing and feeling some of that right now. Not that, Do I think we're going to have another Holocaust? I don't. Do I think, I'm just saying this week has been the culmination of several things that have caused me to tip from being passive and sitting on the sidelines and being marginalized to tipping to the place where it's time to have our voice heard and where we as followers of Jesus have to stand up and say, we're done, no more. Now, another event that happened yesterday, two events actually, one in Colorado with Andrew Womack's ministry where I saw he put out a letter stating that the governor or the state of Colorado had issued a cease and desist order for his church. And he says, we've been following all the protocols. We disinfect, we're distancing, we're, re- we're asking requesting masks. They can't mandate masks, but they're requesting. But if you choose not to, that's good. And the federal government protects that right, by the way. And so as that, they've done all the right things. They were having a conference and more people showed up than the limit that Colorado has set for gatherings. And they were issued a cease and desist order. Also, in addition to that, in California right now, an order has gone out from the governor or the government of California that you can no longer sing in church at this time. Oh, you may gather in your little 100 or less, but you can't sing now. You can't worship now. Another tipping point that happened yesterday, and I'm feeling flushed even thinking about it is that our good citizens of our community here in Fredericksburg got together and because the city did not authorize a parade to celebrate our freedoms, there was a civil rising, which is just absolutely beautiful. People took it upon themselves, many in our church, to involve themselves, and they did their own parade. And it was beautiful and amazing and flags and celebration and thanking God for our freedoms and thanking those who've gone before us. And on the heels of that, some punks and thugs in our community desecrated the flags and vandalized the flags that were in the courthouse lawn and, and around our courthouse. And, and I just, in my mind, I, I'm like, I'm done. I've just tipped over because I'm done watching this. Now, my goal isn't to just go out and do something rash. My goal now is to educate myself on what's going on. I want to encourage you to do the same. And that's what I got out of Andy Andrews' book is he says, The answer is to educate yourself. Be wise. Get the news from varied sources, but educate yourself. And so on the heels of that, I was led to all week and percolating in Matthew chapter 25. I want to share this with you. We're in week four of what is needed now. And here's the the title of the message today is, Hell has broken loose. Hell has broken loose. But there's good news at the end of that. So hang with me. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 3, says this. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And that's on the heels of a conversation where Jesus was looking at the temple. And he said, not three days from now, every stone of this thing will be destroyed. And they were like, what? The temple desecrated and destroyed. So they're asking the question based on the statement he made about the temple being destroyed. Jesus answered in verse 4. Watch out that no one deceives you. 
For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You know, if you're into eschatology in the end times, we understand there is an antichrist, one antichrist that's to rise up. But he's speaking here in terms of many antichrists. The book of 1 John also speaks in terms of antichrists. And there's an antichrist spirit in the world right now. Verse 6, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. In my lifetime, there have been a lot of wars and rumors of wars. And you can go back in history before my lifetime where there were wars and rumors of wars. But are there more signposts along the way? Well, let's read on. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Verse 8, all these are the beginning of birth pains. The beginning of birth pains. I read that and I think, oh, wow. Oh, no. Here we go. The beginning. Verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. In this last year, over 9,500, 9,500 churches were not only vandalized, they were literally destroyed, burned to the ground, or people executed in those churches across the world. Nearly 10,000 churches desecrated, decimated, and destroyed just this last year. Over 260 million people last year in our world suffering from direct and severe persecution whether it be murder, whether it be a group going into a church and opening fire, whether it be ongoing persecution through loss of jobs, loss of limb, loss of life, loss of livelihood, shunned from a village or a community across the world, over 260 million suffered from persecution. And you know that's not an exact number. There's untold numbers that we don't even know about. You will be handed over to be persecuted, put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. My question for you is this. Is Jesus enough for you when this begins to happen? Is your walk with Jesus, your walk with God, is it secure? Is it sustainable through pain? Is it sustainable through loss? Is it sustainable through persecution? Verse 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate one another. Two years ago, a little over two years ago, John Eldridge with his team, it was Ransom Heart, they're called Wild at Heart now, that, that ministry up in Colorado Springs, Colorado. As they were praying and seeking the Lord, they kept hearing something while they were praying. And while they were praying, they kept hearing the same thing come up. And what it was is that the Lord revealed to them, and he stated this at a meeting I was at this last year, that there has been a spirit of hatred released on the earth. A spirit of hatred released 
on the earth. Now, in my own lifetime, I've watched political gameplay all my life. I've watched, uh, I watched Nixon resign. I watched Watergate unfold as a young kid. I was born just two years before JFK was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. I've seen things happen. I've seen accusation. I, but I have never in my lifetime seen the spirit of hatred released on the political world like I've seen now. Never in my lifetime have I seen such hatred, such blatant and outspoken hatred against authority in my entire lifetime. This is yet another sign of the time, but it is a spirit of hatred that has been released upon the world. And I agree with John Eldridge and their summation about that. Look what else happens. Verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Here's what's frightening about that, is that there are even people who claim to be followers of Jesus that will attack the very foundations upon which you have built your faith. Just this week, I was attacked on social media because I quoted a verse out of the book of Acts where Peter tells those Jews when they say, what must we do to be saved? What must we do? And he says, repent, every one of you. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. He says, repent, be baptized, and the last thing he says is be filled with the Spirit, Acts chapter 2. Now, I don't know any follower of Jesus from my world and my circle and my past that would disagree with that and say that's a problem. But I got totally berated on social media for quoting that scripture and saying that is a recipe for us. And I'm like, when... What world did I wake up that now Christians are attacking me for the basic foundations of the gospel? Saying, we don't need to repent. We don't need to do anything. Jesus did it all. And I had to, I actually didn't defend it. I just went silent. I'm not even going to, I'm not even, there's a beautiful button on Facebook for that. It's called unfollow, unfriend. And so I took care of that. But it's, I just thought to myself, is this what we're coming to now? We're now followers of Jesus are turning on each other, and there's division and hatred within the ranks of the kingdom. Tell me that's not a sign of the times. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Now the very basic tenets of our faith are being attacked and being disintegrated one by one. I have to tell you, I think it would be amazing if following Jesus meant swinging in a hammock on a summer day with a glass of sweet tea. That is not the call of a follower of Jesus as you read the New Testament. Peace, yeah, peace in spite of what we're going through. Confidence, absolutely. Confidence in spite of. Hallelujah, hallelujah anyway, in spite of. But the promise is that there will be persecution. We will be attacked. Many will be deceived. And the love of many will grow cold. Listen to this. Verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Let me say that again. Because of the increase, and another translation in the book of Mark says lawlessness. And there's that spirit because I think that's another spirit that is a sign of the times. And it's a spirit of lawlessness. 
where now people are living in an anarchistic mentality that says, I can do what I want, period. No one's going to tell me to do, not even common decency, not even our history, not even you, sir, with a badge on and a blue uniform. I've never seen hatred turned on authority like I've seen it now in my own lifetime. You know what I think about the blue? I back the blue, and I'll stand toe-to-toe and face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, -to -eyeball and say it. I back our authority, and I appreciate what they do. Thank you, first responders, police, fire, EMT, all of you for what you do. I back you. My heart's with you. I'm with you. Just because there's a few bad apples, it's because where humans show up, there's going to be a few bad apples. Just look at our churches. And so I back you. I've got your back, and I love you and appreciate you. But I'm telling you, lawlessness and hatred have been unleashed on our country. Because of the increase of wickedness and lawlessness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Let me tell you what that says to me. It's time to stand. I don't mean just stand up. I just mean stand. It's a beautiful story in the book of Daniel. These three young Jewish boys that have been taken into captivity. And basically, many of them are basically turned into slaves. And they've been brought into the king's court to serve the king and serve the palace. And these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, took a stand. They didn't stand up, they just stood. Here's the scenario. King Nebuchadnezzar was convinced by his governors and satraps and leaders to erect a statue in honor of him. And when a certain sound was made, the entire nation within the sound, within the, the earshot of that sound, they were to bow to the statue, the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. And it's almost interesting reading that story because you almost get the sense that Nebuchadnezzar wasn't all in on that, but yet he followed it anyway. He sort of agreed. And when the, it was a complete setup to destroy these young Jewish men. And what happened was, as they stood before the idol, the sound went off and the entire nation within the earshot of that bowed. And don't think right now that we're not in a situation where a nation is cowering and bowing whether it's to a virus, whether it's to the perception of the danger of that virus, or whether it's to other voices that are out there right now, the spirit of lawlessness, the spirit of hatred. In that scenario, the whole nation bowed to the ground because that was the order. All they did was remain standing. They didn't just stand up. They were already standing. They didn't have to move to stand out. They just had to stand. And could it be that in this hour and in this season of our life that God is calling you to simply stand? I'm not saying do anything out of the ordinary. I'm not saying doing more than you're doing. I'm saying just don't bow as the culture bows. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. and We will stand. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel. 
Now he says, and this good news. <laughs> hey, this is good news. He says, in this gospel, this good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then here's the caveat, and then the end will come. I don't know if y'all remember me talking about Max Lucado. Just two and a half plus years ago, right around that, was at a, a group of meeting where, where Greg Pruitt, who leads Pioneer Bible Translators, Wycliffe, Bible translators, several of these groups got together. It's something they do often, or at least yearly. And they got together, but this time it was different because they actually focused on what's known as the 1040 window, which is the highest concentration of unreached people groups on the planet. So the 1040 window is an area. And I remember coming up through school and praying for the 1040 window that would be reached. And in my tradition, my background, we took this seriously that as the gospel is preached to the whole world, then the end will come. And the idea was, let's preach the gospel to the whole world. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And so in my tradition, this was a big deal. So we would pray for the 1040 window to be reached as missions were going out all over the world. Max said at that, was the, at that meeting two and a half years ago was the first time they had ever actually come together with a strategic plan to pool their resources and their efforts to actually penetrate, go into, and bring the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the very thing that's being attacked by many, even some of our own right now, take that gospel into the 1040 window. And for the first time, at least in my lifetime, it's conceivable that it can be reached in anywhere from three to five years. There was different time periods, but at least five years. So think about this just for a minute. If this holds true, and then the end will come after the gospel is preached to all nations. If this is true, that means that within our lifetime, it means this, we are at the end of the end. We are in the last of the last days right now. So what does this do for me and what do I think it should do for all of us? This should bolster our passion. It should bolster our courage. It should bolster a sense of urgency in us to preach the gospel and share the good news of Jesus Christ with every living soul in our orbit. And here's why. It's because if the end is imminent and it's here and we are in the last of the last days... If he does not tarry, and he is willing that none should perish, the scripture tells us that clearly, then it is our responsibility as sons and daughters, as kids of the king, to share the good news of the king with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family. I feel and sense an urgency like I've never felt in my life, and it is because I hit the tipping point this week. Where's your tipping point? Are you there yet? I hope so. I'm praying dangerous prayers for every person watching today that you will hit your tipping point and say no more. That I now have a responsibility, a priority now to prioritize my faith and prioritize the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to every person in my orbit. 
God has given you relationships. He has placed you strategically where you work, where you live, and where you play to have relationships so that you can be a bridge of life and hope to people. Listen to this in Matthew 24, 37. This is skipping a few verses. This may not be on the screen. It won't be on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you because I could not stop. I couldn't get out of this after I'd already sent our, my scriptures into Russ. Verse 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now we're talking about the second coming, when Jesus returns. Verse 38. For in the days before the flood, listen to this. People were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. They did not see it coming. They thought Noah was a, was a wacko building a boat in the desert. Verse 39, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. You know, when it began to rain in the desert, they had to be going, hmm, this is an unusual time of year for to get our rains. But after it began to flood in the desert, you know, they had to be wondering, what are all these animals going up to the ark for? I can't even wrap my mind around the scene. Can you imagine them when it began to become apparent as the water began to rise that Noah wasn't a wacko? That he heard something and he did something about it. It says this, the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. By the time they woke up and realized what was happening, it was too late. The doors of the ark had closed I have a very active, vivid imagination. I can actually enter into that scene and wonder what it was like to be those people who were suddenly realizing Noah wasn't a nutcase. He was just a wacko old man. And as the doors closed and were sealed with pitch and tar on the inside and they couldn't get in, can't even imagine what went through their minds as the water rose. Verse 40 says this, Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Verse 42, Therefore, and here it is. This is what I want to, this is the point of today. Therefore, keep watch. This is a point in our, in our life right now. Now, everything I've said is leading up to this statement. Keep watch. It is time to be watching. Keep watch. Because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Keep watch. Be alert. Be sober-minded. Because we just don't know what day. But here's what I do know. Whatever your eschatological stance is, here's what we can all say this together. No matter whether you're a pre-millennialist, a post-millennialist, whatever, pre trib rapture, mid-trib rapture, post-tribulation rapture, whatever your stand is, we can agree on this. We are one day closer today than we were yesterday. And I actually believe, I wrote our elders this morning, I said, I feel like that, that, those wacko guys standing out on a street corner with a placard that says, repent for the end is near. I feel like that right now. Maybe those guys aren't crazy after all. Maybe they're the Noah of our time. 
firing off a warning shot over the bow before the end comes. I will tell you this, I'm keeping watch. Keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. I want to ask you, if you're watching, that's not on the screen, so I'm going to give you the reference because I want you to get in your Bible. I want you to get in your Bible this week, Matthew chapter 24, the whole chapter, and right into chapter 25. We're going to pick up 25 next week, and we're going to talk about these 10 virgins that were being prepared for a wedding and what happened in that scenario. Listen to this, 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'll end with this. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That's not just a bad 70s Christian movie that came out. Verse 3, while people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Verse 4, but you brothers are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. I'll say it one more time. This raises the urgency for me to preach, teach, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ like I have never done before in my life. This is time. This is when we throw the gauntlet down. This is when we step over the line. This is when we burn the ships. This is when we go all in. And we say, we got to go forward. we got to focus on the mission at hand. I love God's heart. He's not slow as some count slowness, but he is patient, willing that none should perish. That's his heart for our world. Here's the good news as we close. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and we're going to end with worship. Matthew 28, listen to this, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You want to know what your marching orders are right now? You want to know what God's will is right now? It is this, that we make disciples, that we share the gospel, the good news. And here's the, here's the good news on the good news. You don't have to go out on your own. There is help because there is a helper. And we call him the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus that is set apart for this work to come alongside to be our advocate, to be our comforter, to be our counselor, to be our helper. Listen to this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus issuing another layer to this mandate, this missional mandate, this apostolic mandate, or what we call the Great Commission. Listen to this. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Back to our punchline, back to the bottom line of this message today. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. This week, would you commit to this simple ask to simply open your eyes and begin to see with a different set of lens, a different grid, a different filter, and pray this simple prayer. Say, Father, help me to see what I've not been seeing. Help me to see what I need to see so that I will be alert, so I will be sober-minded, so that I can watch. Open my eyes to see beyond the obvious. Father, would you give me the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of discerning of spirit so that I may see what's really going on. And so that's my prayer for you, is that we will be alert, we will be sober, we will be awake. As I came into town today, I come off of a hill driving into our community, and I saw the city, and it was a beautiful morning as I drove in. I just felt this lump in my throat as I was praying. I'm saying, oh, God, wake up. Wake up the sleeping giant in Fredericksburg. Wake up the sleeping giant. Wake up the church. The church in Fredericksburg and Gillespie County and Texas Hill Country and Texas and our region. Wake up the sleeping giant. Wake up the church of Jesus Christ. May we wake up, be sober-minded. May we turn our anger, our frustration, our hatred, not on one another, but to the real enemy, the devil, Satan, the one who roams about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. That's who we need to be upset with, not one another. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Your words are life. Your words are truth. Father, I just feel a sense of soberness, just a it's like clarity rising, the fog of war lifting off of everyone who's heard this message today. And here's what we will not do. We will not walk in fear. We will walk in faith. No matter what happens in this world that we live in, we know this, there will be a renewal of all things. There will be a restoration. It's coming. It's on the other side of this. And we look to that. Jesus himself said he looked beyond the cross, despising its shame. That word despise means he stepped over it. He stepped over the shame. He stepped over the cross. And who for joy, the joy, he saw what was coming beyond that. So, Father, give us the sobriety, the wisdom, and the sight to see beyond this apparent madness that we're in right now. But, oh, God, I pray for every person listening to this message. I pray that today will be a tipping point for them. If they haven't tipped already, that this will be a tipping point toward action, a tipping point towards intercession and prayer, and a tipping point towards sharing the gospel boldly without compromise, without fear, without shame, that we will not be a shameful people but a shameless people. Boldly declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're watching today or maybe you're listening to this broadcast or watching it after the fact, 
I have good news for you that in light of what seems to be pretty crazy right now, here's good news. Jesus came and he won the whole deal. He won the whole deal. And while we have to deal with this fallenness of a world that's out of control, at least what it looks like for us, we understand this. There is a hope beyond all of this. And that is what I want to speak to you about. If you have never stepped over the line, said, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to give him my heart. I believe in Jesus, that he is Lord, that he is the Savior. He came for me. He died for me. And I want to turn from that. That's what the word repent means. What I got shot for, even calling people to repent. But all it simply means is this, to turn. And it means to turn not just away from the old life, but to turn to Jesus, to turn to your advocate, to turn to your Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus serves as our intermediary. He's the one, our tour guide, who gets us into a place of reconciliation with God. We are reconnected. And we are born again, born of the Spirit, born from above. Right where you are, you can pray this prayer with me. I don't care if you're a child, teenager, an adult, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Pray this prayer with me. I want to lead you in a simple prayer to commit your heart to Jesus Christ. Right now where you are, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, every person here that's listening, Father, I pray that this, this weightiness, this lump in their throat, this... This, this, this uptick in their heart rate and their pulse, Lord, a sign that you're there, you're with them. And if that's you right now with your head bowed and closed right there, wherever you are, your living room, your car, wherever you are, pray this prayer with me. I'm going to lead you in it. Just say this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that you are the Son of God and that you are Lord. You are King. You are Savior. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life and I turn to a new life. A life in Christ. Father, I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. Jesus, save me right now. I want to be born again. I give you my heart and my life. Take me and use me and mold me and change me and shape me into your very image. Jesus, I will follow you wherever you lead. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's a next step. The scripture says, repent, be baptized, and receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be gathering. By the way, we're going to gather next week again. We're going to open the doors back up. We're coming in with appropriate distancing and everything that we're doing. But we'll be meeting this next week. If you're local, come here next week at 9 o'clock or 1045. And tell me, I prayed that prayer, I need to be baptized. We will baptize you. We will do whatever it takes to help you take your next steps. And we'll pray with you that you be filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by Him. We're here to walk with you. So here's what I want you to do. 
If you're online, you're watching right now, you can two things. If you're on Facebook, you can write us a private message. Say, I, I prayed to receive Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus. I will respond to you. If you write in at info at bridgefbg.com, I will respond to you. I want to encourage you and help you with your next steps. Repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's become followers of Jesus. Maybe today that was your tipping point. For all the rest of us, let's keep watch this week. Let's go out with worship. There's somebody who needs to hear that this week. Be blessed, be a blessing, be on alert, be on guard, and share the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world. Amen.